This episode is sponsored by Scottcoin. Scotland's first and only digital currency. It's peer-to-peer, always available, providing users with low to no fees. This is a crypto with a difference operating in the ethical space. The organization responsible for Scotcoin is a community interest company. This means they are dedicated to promoting positive change and a fairer Scotland. They incentivize and stimulate local trading initiatives, keep wealth locally and grow the Scottish economy, encourage and support local businesses and are an advocate for social enterprise and environmental causes. Just to name a few. More about ethical crypto, head over to scottcoin.com. Welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Join our weekly adventures as we rock the whiskey world. We will be bringing you whiskey-related news and gossip, discussing latest bottle releases, and of course, tasting our way through delicious drams. We'll be hosting expert guests, hitting the road to visit some Scottish distilleries, and let's not forget dropping in some cheeky whiskey facts. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. This week we are celebrating Burns Night. Burns Night is celebrated on the 25th of January in the memory of Scotland's national poet, Robert Burns, affectionately named Rabbi. Graham from Scotland Stories is joining us to tell us some epic tales. He is a travel blogger, writer and storyteller with a mission to share Scotland through incredible stories and history. And we will be sampling Bulmore, Aston Martin, 10-year-old and Old Botany 2006 vintage. But before we do so, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Diageo-owned blended Scotch whisky Johnny Walker has announced the launch of a global cocktail challenge. The bartenders are asked to share their best creations made with Johnny Walker Black Label. To enter, bartenders should publish a public Instagram post displaying their creation, detailing the recipe and why Johnny Walker Black Label is the ideal ingredient to they serve. And this post must include the tag at Johnny Walker and use the campaign hashtags, hashtag keep walking and hashtag JW Black Label to be considered. And the entries will close at 11.59pm GMT on the 6th of March 2023. And three winners will be announced on the 17th of March. And the winner's trip will take place in May 2023 and includes a behind-the-scenes distillery tour, a visit to Diageo archives and constructed tasting of Black Label with Johnny Walker Walker Master Blender, Dr. Emma Walker, and an invitation to enjoy a range of experiences at the Brand Home in Edinburgh. Ooh, that's quite a big event then altogether. Yeah, so you probably don't even really have to be a bartender. You could just be one of those Instagram content creators who do yeah. loads of recipes. Or Inka, you're the cocktail meister. Are you going to enter? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Do no, it. I do it. No? no, lots of people are better than me. I'm not that good. <laughs> It's such a big deal in the world of like, if you go to a bar now, there's all these super fancy, almost like kind of science lab-esque cocktails, aren't there? You know, with foam and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. It's it's a thing. There's a bar in Milan actually that has all kind of, it's almost like uh, potions and like yeah. your magic. 
totally yeah they come in like funky glasses and boats and shapes and boxes and there's durable things and foams and yeah yeah part of me loves like all that creative side of things and seeing drinks go out but the other part of me when you just want a simple drink and you see somebody order three or four of them in front of you at the bar you're just like oh it's going to be 20 minutes until that is that order is made I know exactly and I always I do feel a little bit disappointed or they just there's too much flavor it's like Michelin star food sometimes it's just too much yeah it can be a a less less is more yeah Bowmore Isla single malt scotch whiskey has announced the release of its lunar new year range featuring design packs from one of the world's oldest scots maturation warehouses exclusively to global travel retail the 18 year old Bowmore lunar new year is bottled at a strength of 43 percent and to unite the combination of Bowmore and the lunar new year the illustrated boxes will focus on reunions and align with what the lunar new year symbolizes lunar new year encourages celebrations and highlights the importance of connecting with loved ones ah bonding <laughs> with others and Bowmore says it offers the experience of coming together and sharing in each other's company over an exceptional drink the 18 year old Bowmore lunar new year is available exclusively to global travel retail and travelers can get their hands on a bottle across duty-free stores in china korea hong kong taiwan singapore thailand and malaysia at 145 dollars actually we will be sampling Bowmore today which I bought it from the travel retail but I think it might be I'm not sure if it's available now beyond travel I'm not Ah, sure so it might have started off like that but now yeah I don't know but that's where I bought it from and it's one litre bottle that's always the good thing about travel retail you get more (laughs) more for your money that's it more bang for the buck yeah and the brands can like experiment and offer a unique whiskey for like you know different things that they wouldn't do like it's kind of similar to what maybe sometimes you can only get it at the distillery but now you can also get it at travel retails and people collect them yeah it's like a whole whiskey side hustle we will miss if we're not traveling Whiskey Sisters! Burns Night celebrations include a lot of whiskey, plenty of food and overall partying, anything from boozy dinners to traditional gaily. During a traditional Burns Night meal, there's a lot of fuss around haggis. (laughs) (laughs) They basically pipe haggis in and raise toast to it. And obviously, there is haggis, nibs and tatties on the menu. Do you like it? I love haggis. So good. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Robert Burns is often called a pre-romantic poet for his sensitivity to nature, his high value of feeling and emotion, his spontaneity, his fierce stance for freedom and against authority, his individualism and his interest in old songs and legends. He's just quite the big deal, isn't he? What a character. And his humble agricultural background made him in some ways a spokesperson for every Scot, especially the poor and disenfranchised. He was aware of humanity's unequal condition and wrote of it and of his hope for a better world 
of equality. We don't really celebrate Burns Night, obviously, in Finland, but do you have any memories from your childhood and what kind of stuff do you normally do? I remember from my childhood, you know, always being spoken about in school and sometimes even like the school meal would be kind of like, you know, haggisy themed. And when I was a young woman in the workplace, at like one place I worked for had like a big burn supper and we all got it for free. And the director was in like cutting the, doing the sort of ode to the haggis. And I have hosted a Burns Night kind of celebration at home on one occasion as well, which was a, a nice kind of bit of fun. And I think it kind of can brighten up, a, you know, a kind of bleak January in Scotland as well. Yeah, of course. So are you doing anything this year? So I have nothing exotic planned for this Burns Night, but I will need to sneak a cheeky haggis onto the table and <laughs> get mashing those turnips. But, you know, a lot of people are surprised about this about me because I'm like Scottish, but I don't like potatoes i know that's super weird although you like crisps i, I do i like crisps put, <laughs> put them the in only the potato <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah potato chips but otherwise i'm like yeah so you know haggis neeps and tatties maybe a tiny bit of tatties but all the rest i'm down you for. can cover it with whiskey sauce I know, I know. I love it. I actually, yeah, I love haggis, needs and tatties, but obviously I don't do anything for Burns Night, but I will make sure to have a wee whiskey later on. Um, But talking about haggis, in 1786, Burns wrote To a Haggis, a poem to the Scottish dish of seasoned heart, liver and lungs of sheep or calf mixed with fat, onions and oatmeal and boiled in an animal's stomach. Although I don't know if it's made exactly like that anymore is it <laughs> i'm not so sure i don't know but i do like it and it's kind of spicy and has that kind of those like a nice kind of texture and chewy bits <laughs> yeah we're not quite sure what the chewy bits are but it definitely has some nice spice and i i really love it i think i've said before like i had kind of grandparents on my mum's side were butchers stuff like that doesn't freak me out you saw a lot of things flying about the shop i think it's good to use all the parts of if you're killing the animal then you might as well use everything you know yeah. make the most of it but even the vegetarian haggis is really nice oh, i really I, like that i agree with that mm. so varying accounts claim that the poem was created extempore more or less as a blessing for a meal of haggis Burns's praise has continued to the elevation of the haggis to the status of national food and symbol of scotland is it really a national food of scotland i don't know like i, I think I don't know if formally, but certainly informally, it's completely synonymous. But maybe there's some sort of formal link as well. Yeah. Our national animal is apparently a unicorn. Work that one out. It has definitely become kind of a symbol of Scotland because when people talk about haggis, they always post pictures of like this weird, like mouse looking things. Yeah. With little (laughs) legs. Like an animal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A wee wild haggis. So Robert Burns, he even wrote poems about whiskey. This one is especially dedicated to Scotch. It's not easy to read poetry, but I will give the first two verses a go. <coughs> Let other poets raise a fracas about vines and wines and drunken bacchus and crabbit names and stories rackas and great urlug. I sing the juice Scotch bear can macas in glass or jug. O thou my muse, good old Scotch drink. Whether through wimplin' worms, through jink, or richly brown, remore the brink. In glorious theme, inspire me till I lisp and wink to sing thy name. <laughs> what do you think, Inca? Amazing. <laughs> Very good. I think any kind of 
po- any poetry from Robert Burns in a Scottish accent, you can't go wrong. Oh, well, I've probably mispronounced half of that, but you know what? <laughs> it came from the heart. Yes. <laughs> Are you too whiskey? We he sounds it. like a bit of a Casanova. Can we just chat about that for two seconds? Yeah, go on. Like, he had a lot of kids, but I guess, you know, that was much more common back in the day, wasn't it? Yeah. But do you think it was his lyrical prowess that made him so popular with the ladies? You know, like, would he be, like, slipping into the proverbial DMs with all that silky chat? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was reading through some of the poems actually yesterday, and there's a lot of uh, poems for the ladies. Like, yeah, I'm sure some of them were supposedly for his wife, but they don't <laughs> all sound like they were about the wife. No, I think there was a lot of wooing done through the prose, and I think that same um, that kind of romantic, charismatic nature probably made him super popular. Yeah, one of the poems is actually like saying how he wants to, you know, this girl is still a little bit young, so it needs to wait <laughs> before, oh, before they can hook up. <laughs> I know, but at least he knew, you know. But at least boundaries. he was waiting. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> boundaries, boundaries, Rabbi. <laughs> But, you know, he was a young man. Yeah, and died super young, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't even 40. Yeah, so young and to have achieved all that he did. Would you have been wooed by that lyrical charm? Well, I don't know. Not in today's. Maybe back in the day. Especially if he was giving us whiskey as well. (laughs) (laughs) A few drams and a few lines of prose, you never know. So do you have any, any whiskeys that you like to, like, sip during burns night or you just go with whatever you fancy i think in the past it's been whatever kind of whiskies i've been enjoying at the time or like had in the house but thinking it a bit more now i think maybe something i often talk about it but for me maybe a glendrona something with that kind of sweet sheddedness maybe as a kind of balance to the spicy haggis what about you yeah definitely like something really rich full-bodied cherry yeah cherry bomb yeah like uh I was thinking Clendronach, even the 12-year-old 12, 12 to 15-year-old, and Aberlauer has mm-hmm. a couple of really good ones. But then if you want a bit of smoke, I think, with, with the sherry, then obviously our favourite Buna Toite Gaga Definitely. would be a nice one, because it's also a bit savoury. And the one that we tried just recently was Glen Scotia 15-year-old, so it was a little bit mushroomy, a bit earthy. Yay. So that also works nicely with the spices from the haggis. Very good show. I think that would be a lovely pairing. Graham from Scotland Stories. Welcome, Graham. We love following your travels on Instagram and reading about these interesting stories about Scotland. But before we start our Burns Night celebrations, could you tell us how you ended up doing what you do? Do you have a background in history or do you just happen to research places that you go along to? First of all, thanks very much for having me. I mean, this this all kind of began as a lockdown project. So I, I oh, knew really? I've got a history degree. But yeah, it's, it's kind of all started as a, a bit of a way to spend the extra free time I had in 2020 and try and keep some sanity. Yeah, so I just started putting up a few popular Scottish legends that were in my head up on Instagram with no expectation and so embarrassed about it I didn't tell anybody for months and months. Uh, Yeah, they just sort of grew out out of nowhere. Really, it sort of took off and I think lots of people were maybe just stuck in their house or had trips to Scotland cancelled or missing out. They appreciated hearing a bit of stories behind their favourite places or new sites and snippets of history they've never heard before. 
Lovely. And you give a lot of information. You know, that's not completely typical for Instagram. All, you know, like there's a lot of meat in the bone of your posts and, you know, your adventures and photo form. So that's really lovely that it just picked up and grew such momentum. It's, yeah. And that's like sort of how they've gone is that it, I think it started off, if we go back and look at the very, very first ones mm-hmm. I ever did, they're a lot shorter. And then <laughs> over time, they've just got bigger and bigger. And I think that helps actually the whole, you get about 300 words. I, I think, which mm. I think is enough to get a pretty good story going without yeah. people losing, the, you know, people's attention spans are short these days. So yeah. I think enough to sort of condense everything down into an interesting little snippet. It's quite surprising. I didn't realise it was the project during the lockdown. And like, it's quite unusual to start something travel related when you can't actually leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did notice Amazing. that. I don't know why. No, I love that. I mean, to be fair, I didn't start planning on doing it. It wasn't even supposed to be a sort of travel thing. It's kind of merged into something travel related, I guess. Yeah. And the stories yeah. behind places. I think that's the thing that I like most about these stories is that you can go and see the place that this story allegedly took place. You know, it's not a, a long time ago in a land far away. It's you know, it's literally that rock over there. If you climb up that hill or whatever, you know, it's just a place you can go. And there's a story behind it do you do you like go to places sometimes and then start talking to the locals and they give you some history or absolutely that is the one thing i would say people that kind of want to go out and explore and find stories or do their own research whatever is just speak to people people are almost always happy to talk to you about stuff you know, if it's like their little bit of family history or, you know, the amount of times you, you chat to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, my grandpa used to be a gardener at this big fancy estate and this happened and that happened and all these weird things. And like, that's that's how you find out stuff. It's I guess mm-hmm. the most traditional way as well, that story's passing down and people sharing experiences. That's it, exactly. Is it's I mean, a lot of sort of traditional stories, it was all oral storytelling mm-hmm. and it means that a lot of them have probably been lost over the time when people just stop telling them nobody's they're not written down anywhere so it's kind of something i'm happy to be doing is saving some of these that might otherwise get lost you know since we're on the topic of of robert burns and burns night that's something that he did a lot and we have loads of stories that we would probably never have heard if it wasn't for him writing them down and turning them into songs or whatever yes and that works beautifully with today i was gonna say like oh this sounds like it needs to be a book something you maybe want to consider one day i i've got a book that i'm supposed to be handing in in February about stories behind places. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, we'll be out at some point later in the year. I'm not exactly sure when. Oh, congratulations. Oh, listen, let us know. Keep us up to date so we can update our listeners on that, Graham. Yeah. I'm always interested in backstories of distilleries and uh, all these stories linked to whiskey production. And there's always a ghost story or all sorts of history. <laughs> so have you visited many distilleries in Scotland during your travels? And do you have any favourite locations for a bit of whiskey history? I've been to a fair few. I'm pretty spread out. So uh, like Talisker on Sky, recently I was in Laphroaig on Isla, uh, Glen Kinshie, Trathain Beaton. A, a good sort of scattering of them. But the problem is when I'm out and about, I'm usually on my own and driving. So popping into the mm. is just it's too much temptation and it's very unfair. 
Boo, yes, yeah, that's a bad combination. <laughs> when I went to Isla, I made sure that my girlfriend was coming along as well so she could drive. <laughs> yeah. I did do the Dramathon a couple of years ago up in Space Out, which I don't know if you've heard of, where like runners pick it's at a 10k or a half marathon. Or that a looks so much fun, actually. Yeah, I know. I'm quite tempted by that. I did the 10k, I did the easy and inverted commas. Each distillery that you run past, you get a little miniature, so you get to taste all the different distilleries once you've gone past without having to go in. But as for like spots with good whiskey history, there's two that come to mind. Uh, one of them's Cardu up in Speyside, mm. and the story of Helen Cummings, who used to outwit the excisemen with her illicit home still by inviting them in. When, when, when they came up, she was on the top of the hill, so when they came up, she would invite them in. She always had a apron covered in flour and some buns ready to go in the oven, <laughs> so she would just be like, oh no, that, that yeasty smell, yeah, yeah, that's just the baking. Would you like some cakes while you're here? And sit them down, get them some food, and then run outside and put up the red flag so that everybody around knew that the excisemen were in Such a wise woman. And then it was her daughter that took it on, and it's a very strong sort of female-orientated uh, distillery that. I love that place. And the other one is Lindor's Abbey in Fife. Oh, yeah. Yes. On, uh, a while ago, because I listened to it when I was going to do some filming there. Oh, how lovely. It's a very special place, isn't it? is amazing. So Lindor's Abbey, where we've got the, the earliest written record of Aquavitae or whiskey in 1494. And it's you go in and it's just so like sensitive to the history and the story. It seems to be in everything they do there and I think it's amazing. Helen and Drew have done such a beautiful job of weaving and honouring that history and bringing it into like their fantastic operation that it's just such a lovely blend of old and new. Absolutely. And it's, you know, the distillery is right across the street from the, the abbey and like the archway to get in and you think oh, we know that William Wallace went there so you can standing and be like I know that he walked through this archway I'm walking through it. it's just so much history packed in that wee place it's amazing amazing right so let's get back to Burns night so it's basically all about poetry whiskey haggis um, are you able to tell us about the origin of the day <laughs> perhaps correct me if I'm wrong and maybe a bit more about Mr Burns himself Yes, so Robert Burns. I always think of him as the patron saint of haggis and hangovers. <laughs> Scotland's national poet uh, lived in the 18th century. He died tragically young, um, the age of 37. But he still managed to write hundreds of poems and songs, mostly in the Scots language. Some that I think most people have heard at least one of them in passing, even if it's just old lang syne. Yeah, well, earlier this episode, Tim read a little poem for us, so yes, our listeners will Please, please forgive me, old Burns fans. <laughs> well, that's a part of the fun of Burns. Night is some of the poetry usually quite badly. Not that I am in any way suggesting that was you. <laughs> but yeah, he was a he was an everyday farmer from Ayrshire and he wrote about everyday things. I think that's one of the reasons he still feels quite relatable. Today he was a, a complicated man who wrote great romantic poetry, talked about how much he loved his wife, but strayed away from his wife on more than a couple of occasions. He was a proud farmer, but he took a lease on a plot of land at Ellisland Farm more for its scenic value than its working potential. And he was at home amongst the common man while well, as much as he was when he was with high society so he was sort of a real interesting person but yeah so he died 37 very sick man he'd worked hard during his short life but his family were kind of left with next to nothing such a young age it's amazing, I, I knew that but when i hear it again it just blows my mind the impact he's had the things that he did and the amount of stuff he did accomplish and went to places that you because you know if you go across scotland there's a lot of uh, old inns and hotels that say robert burns stayed here robert burns did this blah 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 like it's amazing all the places he got to and all the stuff he did he was a busy boy he was a very busy boy 
boy. <laughs> and then the, the first celebration of his life, which now we call the Burns Supper, was started by a group of his friends just a few years after they passed away in the Burns Cottage, which you can still go to. And it was originally on the anniversary of his death, which is in July. But soon it moved to his birthday in January instead, probably so that we've got something to look forward to in the dark. So they all go the same way. You've got poetry recitals, you've got your haggis, neeps and tatties, a speech about Burns' immortal memory, they call it, a reason that he should, his memory should be immortal, and it still is, you know, followed by more poetry, songs and toasts. It also it sounds really, really stuffy. That's why I think when people hear it, they're like, it's a dinner with poetry and speeches. That sounds incredibly boring, but like, it's a fun, there's a lot of humour involved. Good times we have. I would always recommend people go to one and try it. How can you weave in the whiskey in there as well? There's an, there an awful lot of whiskey, a lot of toasts. Um, yeah, toast to the haggis. I love the toast <laughs> Yeah, fair fire on his sonsy face. It's, it's such a good... I mean, that sort of part of Burns' humour is that it's a big, grand speech about something that's a very bland... Not, not it doesn't taste bland, but it's a very... Like a pauper's meal, and he's talking about being a sort of feast of of the, the greatest of men. It's a reason that Scots, you know, the earth shakes when they walk and everybody else is falling over. There, there's not so many sort of whiskey stories related to Burns' night, but there's a lot to do with Robert Burns' relationship with whiskey. And it pops up in lots of his stories and his songs and things. So it shows that... I always think it's really interesting because it shows how popular whiskey was before most of these sort of famous distilleries appeared. You yeah. know, this was, he died, I'm not going to top my head, I think it's maybe 1796. It was right at the end of the 18th century. And there's only a few distilleries around now that were around there. But he talks about it all the time. In Tam O'Shanter, which is arguably his best poem, uh, it's this big horror ghost story. And there's one of my favourite bits as he goes, uh, inspiring bold John Barleycorn, what dangers thou canst make us scorn. With Tippany, we fear no evil. With Ishkave, we'll face the devil. This <laughs> got personality pretty well. Like, give us a whiskey and we will do anything. Excellent. That, that gives me a wee, you know, goosebump. It's I very powerful, isn't it? That's the bit of the poem that I always get, you know, hair stand up at the back of my neck. But, um, there's loads of others. There's, you know, he wrote a poem called Scotch Drink, which is like an ode to whiskey. He wrote another about making whiskey called um, John Barleycorn, which is all basically about it. You know, John, John Barleycorn must die and it's about cutting down all the, the grain and then as if it was a person that's being drowned and beaten and burnt and all this stuff into making whiskey. I think we always have to remember he was around when whiskey was being taxed so highly that these illicit stills were, were everywhere. So he had a very different kind of relationship to whiskey than we might think. And people were very wary, like Helen Cummings at Cardew, very wary of the excise men coming round. And he made a, a song very popular called The Deals A War With The Excise Man, which is basically about the devil rides into town, grabs a tax man, and drags him away to hell where he belongs. <laughs> all, all the wee old ladies are like dancing in the town and celebrating about this thing. Amen to that. That's how much people <laughs> hated him. And then shortly after that, his farm wasn't making a lot of money, so he took a job as an excise man and rode around oh. doing this job that he apparently hated. Um, <gasps> What? So he's a, he's a man of contrasts. Yeah, that's brilliant. How do you celebrate Burns Night yourself? I uh, this year I will just be doing a small thing. I'll be I'll host. I'll have some friends over, and we'll do haggis and some ties, and I'll recite to the haggis, and we'll do some speeches, sing some songs, and and drink a whole bunch of whiskey. I love haggis, needs and tatties with the wee bit of whiskey sauce. Absolutely, the whiskey sauce just sets it off. Yeah, definitely, and even vegetarian haggis is really nice. Veggie haggis, as much as, not that I'm not against it, <laughs> it is nice. It is nice. I'm always, <laughs> open, 
for full on haggis. Yeah, but yeah, I do like a, a veggie haggis too. Yeah. And whiskey, what whiskeys are you drinking on Burns Night? I don't know. If I'm, see, if I'm going for a whiskey sauce, I always go for a, a space side because um, mm-hmm. it's, it's nice and sweet. But yeah, so for the rest of it, I'll probably go for something. I've, I've got a lovely bottle of Lafroig from Isla. Lafroig uh, lore after folklore. So I will probably be drinking that. Oh, how oh, appropriate. Nice. Yeah. 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 That's exactly why I had to buy it. The marketing was perfect. Definitely. So what is next for Scotland Stories? You've always you've already given us a sneak peek into the book. That's very exciting. Your stories are ever so popular. Let's not forget to mention you were awarded as Scottish Influencer of the Year in the Stories category um, at a recent awards that we met you at. Congratulations for that again. Thanks very much. And what's next? That's the thing. I mean, I kind of end up dabbling in lots of different things. So last year was Scotland's Year of Stories, so it was very sort of focused on doing um, campaigns for different tourist boards and trying to promote their stories. This year, I think I'm going to focus on doing more things for myself and should be doing some more sort of YouTubes or People keep asking me to do a podcast, so I may need some advice uh, from you two. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, things like that. And of course, the book is probably going to be the big thing. So which famous person, dead or alive, would you like to share a dram with? And which dram would that be and why? It's it's such a tough question, isn't it? Like, there's, well, there's so much to choose from. Yeah. I was thinking, like... I mean, Robert the Bruce is always an easy option, but I don't. I can't go for an easy option. But he's mm-hmm. such an influential character in Scottish history. I mean, I'd like to see if he lives up to the stories. But I think in the end, I would go for Macbeth because oh. I mean, Macbeth's a very real King of Scots from the 11th century. I see most people have only ever heard of him due to Shakespeare's mm-hmm. play, but he used to be so badly misrepresented there. That I'd love to have a chat with him over a dram to find out exactly what he was really like. And because he was more mayor of of Murray. Which which is essentially the like the Earl of Murray. And um, before he was crowned king, I'd have to have a Speyside dram. Probably go for a Balvenie, I think. Oh, Good choice. nice choice. That's got me intrigued about him now because I only kind of know the Shakespeare version. He's one of, if not the only, King of Scots to ever go on pilgrimage to Rome. And they said that when he was there, he, he scattered gold like it was seed because he was such an important, wealthy guy. And <laughs> this, this whole idea that he was a, a tyrant and everybody hated him is just not true. You know, he... He'd ruled over quite a remarkably peaceful period of Scottish history. And a nice Italian connection for Inca. Yes. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> I know. I know. I need to look into it more as well. Graham, we so appreciate you taking the time, you know, to celebrate this, you know, very special Scotsman and 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 whiskey in this occasion, and you know, particularly with you being so busy. So thank you so very much. And we're really looking forward to see what unfolds for Scotland Stories. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me on. Dram on fire. We probably should have featured Timorous Beastie Whiskey in today's episode, Today's Dram on Fire, as the original Timorous Beastie was immortalized in Robert Burns' poem To a Mouse. Uh, and in the poem, the mouse was a timid little field mouse. <laughs> but <laughs> Douglas Lang's Timorous Beast is certainly not a weak one. It's bottled at 46.8% ABV and made with selection of Highland malts. And they have about like seven or eight different editions of the classic as well. So we probably should have featured that. But we did feature them before. So if you want to find out more about the Remarkable Malts range, make sure to listen on our episode six. Definitely. That would have been a lovely... Um 
nod to the bard, wouldn't it? It would feature Timorous Beastie, but yeah, not, yeah, but not to worry. I remember oh, well. enjoying that dram. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Okay, but today let's start with Old Pulteney. 2006 vintage, originally bottled for travel retail. This vintage release of Old Pulteney was matured entirely in X bourbon barrels and bottled at 46% ABV. All right, so the colour... I would say it's light yellow, pale golden. For sure, it's quite light, isn't it? I've got a sandy gold. Nice was, it. I found it, it kind of evolves. So I was thinking first, buttery caramel, even some banana, fresh figs, some cream apple, you know, when you just slice the apple and it's mm-hmm. kind of juicy, like, but kind of crispy. Some sweet blood orange a little bit there. Oh, lovely. And vanilla wafers. And then with over time in the glass, I found it a little bit more perfumed. And like, I was thinking, I couldn't remember the name of this perfume, but I used them when I was younger. It's kind of teenage, you know, when teenagers <laughs> like this kind of really sweet perfumes. Yeah, I used to wear one called Charlie. It was super sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it, that kind of just made me think of that kind of sweet perfume. And yeah, some creme brulee. How about you? Very nice notes, Anka. Well, as I've gone back in for a nose now, I totally agree that it evolves and can get on board with it being more perfumed than it was originally in the nose. I've got kind of vanilla pod sweetness, a salted caramel, a slight freshness of a Scottish beach, like a stony seaweedy beach and kind of that salted caramel, but maybe salty sea breeze on the Mm -hmm. nose going back to it now i can really get the banana like almost like like a ripe mashed banana yeah yeah really sweet ripe or you know the ones when they coat it in some sort of i don't know it's is it honey or like kind of that kind of sweet coating on the banana like caramel or something that just makes me want to bake banana like bread Mm. oh yeah you know like in chinese restaurants you can have bananas that are um deep fried Oh, yeah. With vanilla ice cream. That's what it is. Yeah, banana fritter. Yeah. Nice. How about the palate? Because the palate is actually very different to the nose. Agree. I thought it was quite licorice-y. Yeah, salty licorice. That's what I wrote then. Proper finished salty licorice. Definitely. It wasn't what I was expecting. There was sweetness for me, but I've written a cookie dough sweetness. Mm -hmm. You know, not like a really kind of caramelized or sugary sweetness, but yeah, cookie dough, sweet, but subtly so. But I'm going in for another sip because I didn't get too much else on the palate. Well, I thought at first, yeah, it was very salty, like sea salt, sea breeze. There was that oakiness, uh, some citrus, like grapefruit. But it was getting sweeter on the finish. And now when it's been in the glass for ages, it's definitely becoming more sweeter. What did you get on the finish? Because I find it quite... Like I've kind of more aniseed than licorice, but definitely those kind of tones and a little bit ashy. I thought like there's definitely that kind of caramel sweetness on the finish. Ah. But it was also kind of tangy, you know, like those, I think in Haribo, not necessarily the flavour of the candy, but like the tanginess that, you know, the coating that they have that kind of like, oh. But the bitter tangy effect. Yeah, from the Mm -hmm. salt and slightly bit of that citrus stuff that's going on there. I like it more than I feel I should. Like when I read my notes, I'm like, if I saw that on paper, the licorice and aniseed, I wouldn't be like super excited about those notes. But I I enjoyed it. It's very salty and I do quite like a salty dram and the nose was divine. And when I first bought this bottle, 
And again, this is like one liter bottle because it's from the airport. <laughs> Although I think they're now selling the one liter bottles online as well. I just loved it the first time I tried it. I'm like, oh, I had quite a few drams. Yeah, I still really enjoy it. Very easy sipping. And it's just as well you enjoy it with a litre to horse through. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But this is kind of salty dram as well that could maybe work with the haggis, nibs and tatties and the whiskey sauce. Yeah, and I think as well, although we're talking about the spice and the haggis, if you're having like mashed like neeps, turnip can be quite sweet and I like it like with butter and stuff through it and that can be mm. kind of sweet. So yeah, that old pulteney would would go go well. So let's try the Bowmore Aston Martin 10-year-old dark and intense bottling, uh, which is bottled at 40% ABV. The whiskey is part of a wider collaboration between the legendary Isla Distillery and a luxury car manufacturer, Aston Martin. The 10-years-old kicks off a trilogy of special bottlings that celebrate the craftsmanship of both companies. And each whiskey, so there's 15-year-old and 18-year-old as well, features an iconic car that has molded Aston Martin's history. This is on the packaging. And in this case, it is the Aston Martin LM10 that first featured in the Le Mans 24-hour race in 1932. Mm. Yeah. So, and this is a delicious and classy combination of ex-bourbon and ex-sherry casks. Oh, quite the, quite the collaboration there it's given me whole like classy sultry exotic mysterious sort of like spy vibes <laughs> yeah definitely the color was i would say dark amber old gold yeah nice i've got a kind of rusty caramel i really like the color i think it's quite pretty yeah. to look at very nice and the nose how did you find that kind of treacly toffee-ish but also fruity red fruits like cranberry a slight oaky woodiness but as i'm been going back into the nose there's other notes that i've not written down and that i'm struggling to describe I know exactly when I was nosing it I was thinking like leathery gloves you know mm-hmm. you're smelling your thin leather clothing and even like kind of tinny smell for example mm-hmm. the fruits in a tin and when it's empty so you can get the sweetness but the tinny still smoky roasted nuts that they do sometimes like in in Italy outside that like big nuts I don't really know what they are like hazelnuts maybe no they sell them on the street corners and they keep smoking them it's quite a strong smell not chestnuts oh yeah chestnuts chestnuts yeah Mm -hmm. the smell that when they're smoking them and cooking them roasting them Mm -hmm. and i was getting orange peel or pink grapefruit peel you know when it's all fresh yes but then now when i'm going back to it it's not it's giving me different things i've got an oaky woodiness as i think i've said but i think i'm almost getting a kind of varnished wood yeah Mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot going on in the nose it's intriguing and definitely that kind of darker treacle type of thing going on. Dark and intense. It's giving me the mystery vibes on the nose. Espionage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <gasps> Multiple passports. <laughs> yeah. I well, it's real- called dark and intense. Exactly. I'm getting really carried away with the whole Aston Martin link. Yeah. Oh, driving gloves. <laughs> <laughs> driving gloves. Travel suites. <laughs> oh, yeah. So a lot going on there. Definitely. It's evolving. And the palate? I felt let down in the palate. I thought it was quite a light mouth feel. At first, I found it really hard to describe. And I've even written nondescript. 
expect. I was expecting something kind of much richer, but I did get a kind of light panna cotta sweetness with red berries and found it a bit citrusy. I thought like the initial mouthfeel was really nice, like soft, but then it goes away and becomes a bit more watery, I guess. Like it mm-hmm. just goes definitely you're hit with the smoke, although it's not super intense, but it's smoky. I was again thinking those coffee beans coated in dark chocolate. Yeah, because the coffee bean is normally quite has that kind of smokiness almost. I found it a bit gamey. Game meats. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, okay. Also loose leaf black tea. Oh, well described. I'm getting a bit more going back in for a sip and listening to your notes is certainly inspiring. A little bit of kind of barbecue smokiness on those game meats making me yeah. think that as well. I found the finish reasonably short. I think so, like short to medium-ish, definitely. And the first time I tried it, I thought it was quite drying. But now, mm-hmm. second time, it actually doesn't feel as dry. And it does give me, the finis gives me like warm rye bread vibes. Like, <gasps> you know, when we tried some of those Gura whiskies with the finis whiskey yes. girls. Yeah, very similar. I'm not sure how to describe the finish other than woody smokiness. The kind of yeah, burnt, kind of ashy. wood on the, a little bit ashy on the tongue. Yeah, I think definitely with air, it opens up a little bit more and even the nose became a bit more juicy but I couldn't really put my finger on what kind of juicy fruits I was getting but it just felt like juicier like yeah something was a bit happening I wish they'd made it a bottled at a stronger ABV yeah I think that would have helped although I do think like now that it's been in the glass it just needs a bit more time I find it still quite enjoyable I think it is an easy sipper yeah both of them they need just maybe a little bit more time in the glass did you have any favorites or do you think like oh I'd maybe not go back to that it's not like that good or neither are going to make my favorites list if there were such a thing I loved the nose on the Beaumore thought it was like really nice but I think if I was choosing between the both the old Pultney would surprisingly you know pip it to the post for me and I say surprisingly just because I'm so drawn to like you know the sherried stuff normally yeah. even the color of the Bowmore. so that's how it kind of takes me by surprise that I'm picking the old Pultney what about yeah, you? I like the nose on both I probably prefer the old Pultney a little bit more the bomber like I wish it would just have a little bit more body maybe mm-hmm. you know like some cool Elas or Port Charlotte's or something that I've tried recently. Just they just carry the flavours a little bit longer and take it a slightly different level. Like I feel yeah. like it's just fell short just a little bit. Just a little. Yeah, it could have been it could have been really, really good. But it's not bad <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> like there's nice tasting notes and it's easy sipping, easy going. Maybe I'm just saying that because I have a liter of it. <laughs> 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 oh, Inga, it was so lovely to see you last week and it worked out so well timing wise, wasn't it? Because the podcast reached its one year anniversary slash birthday and we had great fun, didn't we, in the pot still? Oh, it was good. Yeah, great whiskies were sampled. We even had a cake. Yes, it was a bit over the top and we kind of enforced it on all the patrons of the pub, didn't we? They, everybody was getting a bit of cake. Yeah, but it's nice because it's quite a lot small pub. I think only like a handful of people said no to cake. So cake and yeah. whiskey, that's a thing. Yeah, what's not to love? No, so that was great fun. And it was lovely to see some familiar faces and to make some new whiskey pals. There was people going home with a Whiskey Sisters stickers on their mobile phones and things. (laughs) (laughs) Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact.
Okay, you may have heard about the Headless Horseman of Beaumore. The story goes that Isla Crofter Lachlan Ban was returning home one dark and stormy night when he saw the ghostly silhouette of a headless horseman galloping away from his house. Despite lacking a head, the horseman was clearly a convivial type. He appeared to have left Lachlan an open bottle of Beaumore. When Lachlan walked in, the bottle stood open on the table and the fire had gone out. Thoroughly terrified, he did didn't fancy keeping the ghost gift so threw it away <gasps> what's all that about i know if you were scared and shocked you should yeah, drink just, the whiskey yeah chuck it not chuck it like glug it what's the yeah. word chuck it back yeah chuck it back <laughs> not throw it away no way but have you heard the real story the more logical one apparently Lachlan's you say Lachlan was better Lachlan no I, I was quite impressed with that and oh. kind of really ugh, love it yeah <laughs> so apparently Lachlan's brother had later told him that he had paid him a visit that night during a dreadful storm the wind had forced the door open and blown out the fire the brother had then brought a bottle of Bulmer to share with his brother but couldn't wait for too long because it took ages for Lachlan to get home so he took a quick dram and rode home with his cloak pulled tight over his head to keep out the rain (laughs) (laughs) yeah the poor brother that's super generous of him isn't it I know and then apparently also Lachlan had gone around town telling about this headless horseman <laughs> so when he later on like week later found out from his brother what had actually happened so he didn't want to tell anyone <laughs> because he was too embarrassed <laughs> just stick with the headless horseman like just go with that stick yeah. with it nothing to see here people <laughs> this episode was sponsored by Scotcoin Scotland's first and only digital currency to see how you can get involved, head over to their website, scottcoin.com, or go to their Instagram at scottcoin underscore official. That's plenty. Thank you for joining us in our Burns celebrations. Whether you're having a celebration of your own for Robert Burns' poetry and life or not, we hope you're having an amazing week and super appreciate your support as always. Make sure to subscribe and download and all that jazz. All that jazz is so important to us, isn't it? Like, we need it. We need it. (laughs) And next week, we'll be talking about Glen Alecky. We've been waiting to do this episode for so long because there's loads of good whiskey coming from the distillery Mm. and so much happening. And we will be sampling some of their whiskeys. But while you wait, you can catch up on previous episodes or give us a follow on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at whiskeysisters, or Facebook at whiskeysisterspodcast. And I recently featured on a BBC4 chat about whiskey cask investment and you can catch up with that on bbc4's website if you fancy a listen we've got radio voice jennifer oh face for radio (laughs) (laughs) they even posted a picture of you have a good week listeners have a good weekend see you next time see you next time and have a great burns night may your glass be full and your dram on fire (laughs) 